Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the most somber month of the year. That's right, bad movie month, as we are going to struggle to find the good out of four of the all-time worst films of all time. And we're starting it off with a movie that uh, I question whether it belonged in bad movie month, because it's got Adam Sandler, and it's got Adam Sandler and drag, and even dumb Adam Sandler is still sometimes amusing. And then I watched Jack and Jill, and <laughs> this movie lives up to its reputation. Um, I'm very sorry we agreed to do this now. Um, I'll just say my name is Colin, self-deluded, syncophantic hack. And my name is Ben, and were you in Duran Duran? <laughs> I was. <laughs> cool. I was the guy in the back. <laughs> you were hungry like a wolf. Good for you. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, this movie. Wow. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. This movie is famous for all the Razzies it won. Um, I, it didn't destroy Adam Sandler's career. Nothing could destroy well, Adam Sandler's career. Prevented uh, him from getting an Oscar nomination. This is one they always hold against yeah. his head, apparently. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and this movie starred Al Pacino in a second bad movie month film we've ever done. But, uh, I, I, I was being honest at the beginning. I, I kind of questioned how this movie could be that bad because I remember watching it or I thought that I had seen this whole movie once, once upon a time. And then last week, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I only saw part of this movie. And then as I watch this now, I'm like, yeah, I definitely saw the first 20 minutes. And I don't remember hating the first 20 minutes. I just remember being like, ah, eh, this doesn't seem like something I need to watch. I'll turn it off. But who this is a whole new level of bad for Adam Sandler. Uh, it is really making me nostalgic for Pluto Nash with that. You know, I want to laugh because this is more like, like, I, I don't want to laugh. Like, I don't know what, what is wrong with this movie. I I, I want to take the next hour here, which, by the way, I think we should start the clock here. We're on a clock. Oh, I started at the moment where you said okay, welcome good. to the Oz Network. Good. Don't worry. <laughs> good. I got even less time to fill. Um, you got 58 minutes yeah, now. <laughs> 58 minutes to figure out what is wrong with this movie. <laughs> Tell me, Ben, what's wrong with it? Oh, uh, look, I, similar to you, I saw this 14, 13, or 12 years ago. I saw it 14 years ago before it was made. And, like, I think I said at the beginning of this, like, oh, this is like the love guru. Like, you know, it's not as bad as people say it is. It's entertaining. I take that back. This movie's shit. Um, <laughs> and, like, I love Adam Sandler. I just, it's... It's lazy. Like, it just feels everyone's phoning mm. it in in this movie. Like, even, like, and the character of Jill is just so annoying. Like, it's there's nothing redeeming about this. And there's maybe, like, there are, there are legitimately about two or three scenes that I remembered in this movie that made me laugh. And I will still say, those are funny. Like, Dunkachino, I don't know why I love that so much <laughs> at the end. That is so fucking hilarious. That is great. That should have been the whole movie. <laughs> and the Johnny Depp line of, are you in Duran Duran? 
Yes, I was. Like, <laughs> like some of the stuff in this is funny. But other than that, like, I, I don't, like, Adam Sandler just has a habit of just making movies and not really giving a shit. Like, half the time, he makes movies that most people find terrible. But he's like, I get the money for it. I don't give a fuck. And I kind of appreciate that attitude in a way. But this is, this was like a literally a, a, a hit. This was released in cinemas. This wasn't a Netflix movie. This was before all that. And yeah. it just is lazy. Like, you don't mess with the Zohan is fun. Like, I, again, I see why people don't like it, but that's fun. That's got something new about it. This is just Adam Sandler dresses up in drag and hangs in a house for an hour and a half. At least with grown-ups. He went on a holiday and he had some good chemistry <laughs> with these people. Katie Holmes even in this movie? What are the point of the kids? Oh. It's racist. Um, somehow they got Al Pacino in it. Somehow they got Shaq in it. Somehow they got Regis in it. Uh, Johnny Depp. You name it. Um, Jared, the subway guy. Oh, some stuff in this movie does not hold up. Bruce Jenner. Uh, and Jared, the subway guy. How 2011 is this movie? Damn wow. <laughs> I know. This movie has not dated well. Can I just say that? Uh, you know, it's funny. We, we've actually covered an Adam Sandler movie before. We did Airheads, which was his first you was, know, starring sorry role. Sorry to interrupt. What Al Pacino movie did we? Was he in the Emoji movie? Jiggly. He and Geely. I forget Yeah, he that. had like one scene. It was like a long, like five, ten minute long scene. But oh. yeah, he was in. He played the mob boss. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe he was a voice in the Emoji movie. There was too many people in that that I forget I'm, about. <laughs> I'll say this. Al Pacino probably gives it more in this movie than anybody oh, else. He does. And he's playing himself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not that much of a stretch for him. But I mean, uh, Adam Sandler, we, I think we both grew up during the 90s. We're going to be covering Jim Carrey. We already talked a little bit about Jim Carrey uh, last month. But uh these two guys were basically like on the exact same trajectory throughout the 90s. Yeah. I mean, you had the three big comedy actors. You had Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Adam Sandler. And every movie these guys did was a huge deal. Everybody always got excited about them. I think particularly with Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler, they broke through the same time. They both came from these popular sketch comedy shows. They both geared very juvenile in their humor, but in a way that was like almost accessible for adults who just wanted like dumb fun. Uh, and it's funny that like, I think that Jim Carrey, even though he probably had slightly more success in the nineties, I mean, there's no discounting how big Adam Sandler was. I mean, you know, the, the Waterboy had like a record for like highest grossing opening weekend for a comedy for a long time, a uh, movie made like $200 million or something like that. You look at the wedding singer, that movie's still considered a classic. I mean, big daddy was huge, but I always kind of figured that Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey both kind of dropped off once he hit the two thousands. But when you look at Adam Sandler's filmography, he remained like extremely popular yeah. throughout the 2000s. I'd, I'd um, argue more. I'd argue more popular than Jim Carrey because I feel yeah. post Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey wasn't really as big. Whereas Adam Sandler kept going uh, probably until about this film. And and some quality movies, like quality in terms of Adam Sandler, but I mean, Anger yeah. Management, pretty good movie. Uh, the Longest Yard, that one wasn't bad. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I kind of like that movie. It wasn't like the best, but it was decent. And I think we both talked about our our weird love for Don't Mess With The Zohan. I love that movie. Very, <laughs> very underrated comedy. <laughs> uh, and then all the way up till Grown Ups, which I think Grown Ups, which came out the year before this, was like one of the biggest movies Adam Sandler ever did. And I remember loving the first Grown Ups movie. And then the second Grown Ups movie just being like, it, it, same reaction to Jack and Jill. Like, what was that? Uh, but I mean, now he's basically sold his soda to Netflix and he makes more money off of making movies for Netflix than he ever did releasing movies theatrically. So good for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is not the height of Adam Sandler's career and there are some bad Adam, there's some bad Adam Sandler movies like 
Little Nicky, I don't know. I think you said you might have liked Little Nicky. It's fine. It's not his best, but it's it's better than this. <laughs> yeah, but I, to me, like Little Nicky and Waterboy are like, okay, this is like like F grade entertainment. And then you have movies which are like they're definitely C or D grade comedies, but they're still fun because they have a Sandler. There's just nothing fun about this movie. No, uh, it, you said it right. Like neither of these characters are redeemable. The biggest issue I have with this movie is like there are you could tell there are a ton of deleted scenes in this movie that would actually explain the plot but instead they're like nobody wants the plot let's just explain it in the next scene yeah. and it's like but you were missing the entire scene you just referenced oh this movie's just a complete mess yeah um uh, anything else you want to cover before I, we cover it no i think we get into it. i think it's interesting we always talk about the year 1994 for jim carrey and we we'll obviously do that for anniversary month but i mean you kind of look at that 98 99 yeah. almost 18 months for adam sandler because you know he went from the wedding singer the water boy big daddy he has a cameo in Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo, but I mean, that was a big hit for Rob Schneider, of course. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, he kind of has like a, a mini period like Jim Carrey. It's just extended a little mm -hmm. bit more because, yeah, The Wedding Singer, Big Daddy and uh, The Waterboy were huge hits. And honestly, they all hold up very well to this day. And this is one thing that... Two of them. <laughs> um, I, I think that Adam Sandler maybe gets a little bit overlooked more than Jim Carrey in a way because I think Adam Sandler's film have a little bit more heart than Jim Carrey's film sometimes. Like, I think 95% of Jim Carrey's films that were huge hits kind of a, a purely the dumbness, right? Whereas if, you know, yeah. you look at The Wedding Singer, The Waterboy and uh, Big Daddy, they've all got a big level of, like, heart and emotionalness to them. Um, and I'm not... I prefer Jim Carrey over Adam Sandler, but I love them both. So, yeah, he had a huge period uh, outside of that. And then this is kind of the film that people say kind of destroyed it. Because I think post um, this, what did he have that, um, what was that father one he had? Like he was like the dad, I love you son or something like that with... Um, oh, that's my boy. That's my boy with the guy from uh, Andy Samberg, right? Um, yeah. And then a few other ones. I think he got Blended, like, the other Drew Barrymore one. Which I didn't mind. That wasn't, that's definitely one that wasn't as bad as people said it was. That was kind of, oh. you know... Old school Adam Pixels. Sandler. Pixels. That oh, yeah. was one that was as bad never as people saw said it was. <laughs> never, never saw it. But, like, I mean, he kind of, I think he mainly stuck to voice acting in Netflix movies before he mm -hmm. got uncut gems. But, I mean, he's kind of, him and Jim Carrey, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, have both kind of found their feet again and are sort of popular again and do things that people don't shit on as much as they used to. So, yeah. Although, Jim Carrey, well, in fairness, never got a shat on as much as Adam Sandler. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, one thing just quickly to touch on the water boy, uh, cause you mentioned having heart to it. And I will agree to that. I mean, I, I personally don't connect to that movie in any way, oh, but it. it has enough heart that I, I remember I saw that in theaters cause I was really excited. And I just remember being like, I, I didn't like it at all. And I was the right, I was the target demographic for that movie, you know? And then I remember, uh, uh, my mom and her boyfriend at the time renting it and we were all watching it again. I'm just like, oh, this movie's not good. And my mom's boyfriend actually was in tears at the end. He was crying. So, I mean, you said it had some heart in it, but it was funny because my mom was just, my mom, this was, my mom was not like, she was more sensitive than I am, way more sensitive than I am, but she, she wouldn't, shy away from calling somebody else she's like, are you crying and he's like oh it's just there's it's no really, crying really in the touching. water boy there's no crying <laughs> in the was, water boy <laughs> that was actually a reaction she says we're watching the water boy he goes oh it's just it's really moving and then she says were you the water boy is that why you're crying is this because this was you <laughs> then when you go shut up mom get off the car <laughs> but uh yeah this movie's got no heart it's got nothing going for it uh what it does have going for it it's about twins and i kind of i i it's funny because I just always assumed this was a movie about a guy and his sister and didn't realize they're supposed to be twins. So when this movie starts and you got this montage of all these twins talking, I'm like, oh, now I'm into this because I've got twins. You know, I could 
see this is maybe where they're headed. I mean, some of the stories they're telling, like the the two girls are like, oh yeah, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. I like them. They did. They, <laughs> I bet you do. But they were it saying to something too. here. It's like, a, I I, my, what, what, I nearly died. Having your umbilical cord? Yeah, I nearly died when I was a baby. That happened to me. Casper uh, didn't nearly die, but uh, he basically was running out of fluid. He didn't want to come out, and he was running out of um, like fluid or whatever. <laughs> that's they had fluid. They had to pull it. They had to pull him. Yeah, that's why he's picking locks now. He's like, I couldn't get out before. Now I know how. <laughs> but uh, we basically had to get him out. It was like, all right, we've got like a couple hours to get this baby out of here. Uh, the, the twins are a little bit easier, but one of the things they say here about how uh, you know the one twin was born bigger than the other and is still a little bit bigger. Uh, that's something, I mean, uh, basically Remy and Casey, there's different types of twins and the, the one they were where they basically shared an umbilical cord. Remy hogged all the food. He still does. So still to this day, Casey's actually like slightly taller than Remy, but Remy's definitely bigger than Casey. He's still stealing all the food. Uh, they had uh, the the people would talk about a oh, uh, bag of spare parts and I need a kidney. I know mm-hmm. that he's the one. Like some of these are like slightly amusing lines, but not enough that it was like making me want to laugh. Uh, th- there is the one that we had our secret language. Ooh, ee, ooh. It's like apparently we were kid whales or whatever. Uh, and then I, the one I did actually kind of get a chuckle out of it. It says, "Yeah, I uh, went to Harvard. I do this and this and this, and, <laughs> and I work at Hooters. I'm happy too." <laughs> is it? Can uh, I just quickly ask? Are these? I didn't read the trivia for this, but are, they, are these actually twins, or are these just two actors with a split I, screen? Because some of this, there's at least I think the one at the end when those two women are in the tracksuit. To me, it seems like it's just the same actor with just a split screen, and they're making it out like yeah. Twins. The the beginning, I assumed it was twins, but then at the end, when it keeps going on and on, and on I'm like, I'm pretty sure these are just the same actors. You know, yeah. <laughs> they doubled it up. Um, so we uh, get the opening montage where it's showing Jack and Jill growing up, and uh, get a sense of these characters when. Jack's excited because he's got armpit hair and then Jill comes by and she's got like 10 times the amount of armpit hair. Uh, after this montage, we get to Adam Sandler being introduced, directing Regis Philbin, which apparently this is Regis Philbin's final screen appearance. Oh. Uh, I don't know whether it's just film or whatever, if he was still doing his TV show after that. Uh, but he said, why do I have such bad diarrhea? <laughs> and then we get this puppet up there. What, what, what is it he says? Uh, you need to drink the pink. Uh, and then they, they yell cut, but you see this guy come out. Now, I 100% thought this was Kevin McDonald from The Kids at the Hall, who is like the main star in Brain Candy, mm. uh, only to find out afterwards looking through it that this is Dana Carvey, you know, Wayne's World Dana yeah, Carvey. Yeah, I thought it was uh, straight away. I'm like, that's Dana Carvey, right? Like, I assume that. Yeah. But I mean, it, to me, it looks like he's trying to pretend he's Kevin McDonald from The Kids in the Hall. Uh, and then we get uh, the, guy, the guy who's in all these Adam Sandler movies who's basically saying, yeah, we got a contract with Dunkin' Donuts. They want to uh, have a sponsor for their new drink, the Dunkachino. He's an SNL guy. He's like, because he was in Mean was Girls. He he's the teacher in Mean Girls. Um, he's in lots of things. What's, uh, he's Yeah. I mean, when you say that's one guy who's in all the Adam Sandler movies, there's about that's 20. That's cast in this movie. There's about yeah. 20. He just casts his friends. Uh, Nick, n- yeah, Nick Swardson. Yeah. That's his name. I knew he, like, he's, uh, he's, I think we've done something with him in it too, but no, he's no, he's quite prominent. And he's an SNL yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's in, uh, like, a lot of even just the Adam Sandler-produced films here, mm. like The Bench Warmers. Uh, he was in Click. He was in mm. Chuck and Larry, Don't Mess With Zohan, uh, Bedtime Stories. Yeah, so, I mean, he is he is one of the Adam Sandler guys. We're going to get many other of them coming up in this movie. Uh, and they say they want Al Pacino for it because they want to call it the Dunkachino. Uh, Al Pacino and the oh, Dunkachino. Oh, wait, hang on. Sorry, can I just sorry, keep interrupting? I know we're doing this quick. You're talking about the mm. assistant. I'm talking about the boss. I'm talking about Tim Meadows. 
Oh, but, Tim Meadows. But, oh, yeah. But, but Nick Swanson Tim- is, is is another one. I know who you're talking about. But no, Tim Meadows is the uh, the SNL yeah. Mean Girls guy. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't remember which one of these guys. They're basically Sorry. interchangeable in the movie. But yeah, yeah, Tim Meadows was SNL. The lady, the ladies' man. Ooh, yeah. it's a lady. Did you ever see that? Uh, sketch I've not he did? seen that one. But there's another one. I can't remember the one that I used to see him do all the time. But do you, you like Mean Girls? Have we talked about that before. Yeah. Well, uh, Mean Girls was one of these movies when when Jamie and I got married. We each had a list. These are the movies I'm going to show you. And she made a list of like five movies these are movies that you have to see and i made a list of five movies and i think we've gotten through three of mine in 11 years of marriage and jamie showed me all five of hers in, in like the a first month, weekend <laughs> it pretty much yeah but mean girls was one of them and that was like my first reaction i'm like i never would have thought i'd like this movie this movie's great brilliant movie. Like, it's great a fantastic movie. tina fey that's the brilliance of tina fey uh, the brilliance of tim meadows is what i was gonna yeah. say uh <laughs> the man made that movie <laughs> yeah. wow that got sexist I mean, no woman can make a movie this good. Rachel McAdams makes that movie, oh. um, and and the, the other one, the well, all all four of the girls in that movie are brilliant, but the the, the blonde dumb one, Amanda uh, Siegfried. I think she's yeah, and then she she's Jamie's favorite. And you know the uh, the third one that nobody talks about. You realize that's the uh, the daughter from Lost in Space, right? Yeah, who yeah. does every single Hallmark Christmas movie that's ever made because every year we'll turn on the Hallmark Channel. It's like, look, she's in three movies just tonight. <laughs> I, I loved I, I all four of them, even Lindsay. I had a massive crush on Lindsay Lohan as a kid. Who didn't? Well, maybe you because you don't have a, a penis. I so. had, I had a massive crush on Tim Meadows. So De- De- Dexter Smith. <laughs> Dexter Smith wasn't into Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Uh, but uh yeah so he is supposed to get al pacino for this job and then uh he has to go pick up his sister at the airport and we get introduced to jill and she has about 600 bags and he's saying you know uh what is it what are you traveling uh nick's traveling with you or whatever uh on the car ride over she has her bird poopsie behind her who's the only character in this movie more annoying than jill because just repeating jill the entire time but one of the few moments that gave me a slight chuckle in this is uh, where he opens up the window and Poopsie gets sucked against the cage. <laughs> ah! That was kind of funny. Uh, and uh, the next day, uh, it's based. I don't know. I, see, this is one of the things in the plot that I don't understand because Jill is from the Bronx, but they say something about her being around New Zealand time. And no. multiple points in this movie, they talk about how she's like in a different time zone because she's well, not even awake yet at 5 p.m. No, no, no. They She's flown from the Bronx. She's flown from the East Coast. So she's gone back. Like she's joking, saying, like, oh, I'm jet-lagged, when in fairness she's gained three hours and the joke is you're acting like you've flown to New Zealand or from New Zealand. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So New Zealand reference. Yeah. Cool. Is it, is it still not any funnier, but I understand it now. So there we go. Uh, so uh, his wife, Katie Holmes, who's in this movie. Now this is, I think this has just become an Adam Sandler joke now where he will find some big famous actress and cast like it, it's sort of like this meme now where it's like pictures of adam sandler looking as sloppy as he can look and then the women who play his wives and it's like salma hayek and katie holmes jennifer anderson kate beckinsale uh there's no purpose here being in this movie other than the fact that they probably said hey do you want to be in this movie we'll pay you some money and she's like sure why but, not like this a role could have been played by any and i'm not saying this character need more velvet the wife doesn't need to do anything more than she does in this movie, but it's just why pay the money for Katie Holmes when yeah. this could have been played by Jill Blow? There's obviously the thing is though, I think that um yeah, like Katie Holmes is nothing in this movie, but I I like he obviously is very likable and beloved by most people because I mean, all you know, Drew Barrymore is on what, three films with her now, and they're obviously very good yeah. friends. Jennifer Anderson, like they're best friends. Yeah. Like if you see how they talk about each other. And I mean, Jim Carrey got Jennifer Anderson first for Bruce Almighty. 
But then Jim Carrey didn't say friends with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler like besties. So obviously Katie Holmes doesn't give a shit about Adam Sandler. But I kind of like that, how he gets these actors. But then clearly they love him so much that they want to keep back and doing these like pretty dumb movies as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you said like three movies for um, uh, Drew Barrymore, three movies for Jennifer, for Jennifer Aniston now. And, and they then gush this about each counting. other. They, like if you follow uh-huh. them on social media, they will not like when... Freaking Adam Sandler was getting all this award buzz for freaking Uncut Gems. Jennifer Aniston just could not stop posting about Adam Sandler. It's like, okay. Yeah, like, there's these celebrities where people hate them because whatever, you don't like them, fine. But they're just so diehard hating them and they just refuse to accept. Everybody else loves them. Tom Cruise yeah. is another one of those. There's yeah. people who hate Tom Cruise. But, like, you hear anybody who's worked with Tom Cruise talk about him. It's like, every single person who's ever worked with him literally is in love with the man. And Adam Sandler's the same thing. Like, they're just nice guys. So, um, yeah, it's... I can understand also why they'd want to do was, the movies because they make millions of dollars to do them. There was a really good 60 Minutes um, like piece on him a couple of years ago, I think, around Uncut Gems, where they, they just show like Adam Sandler. Like he's just, he he doesn't, you know, dress. Like he just, the reason why he looks slobbish, he, that's how he is. He, like he's so <laughs> fucking rich. And like he just walks, like he goes into the freaking neighborhoods of Manhattan and plays basketball with street kids. Like he just, mm-hmm. he's Mr. Sloppy and doesn't care. And he's just, he's so natural and normal. And they went to his like parents' house where he's from. And his mom's just got like this tiny little bedroom and like the bedroom's still Adam Sandler's as a kid. And like, oh, this is a movie poster for Billy Madison. We were very <laughs> proud of him. And they're just walking around the streets of this small town and, you know, Midwestern USA going into a cover. Oh, Adam's back in town, Adam's. And you can see where he like gets his characters from because like it's clearly he's like it's it's very good. You should watch it. That's the one Adam Sandler voice too. Oh, <laughs> Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> True. That's the Jill voice. Uh, he is Katie Holmes basically tells him, go wake up your sister. He goes, oh, do I have to? She's really tired. So he goes in there and giving the laziest effort to wake her up. It's like, hey, Jill. That's kind of funny. Yeah. And then she's like, I have a gun <laughs> screaming. Uh, we have the dinner scene here, which this is one of the things I have no expectation. Like, I feel like it was briefly mentioned in this movie. This is supposed to be Thanksgiving. And like, this should be a big holiday movie. The entire movie involves Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, and New Year's. And yet none of that is prominent in this movie. And even when you watch the trailer, there's like a couple of shots of like Christmas trees in the background and like Thanksgiving dinner. But like, this could have been sold as a big holiday movie. And it's just, it's it's barely even mentioned here. But I don't know who these other people are supposed to be. Is this supposed to be Katie Holmes' parents? The homeless guy? I spent this entire movie being like, why is, is the homeless guy here just because Adam Thessal thought it was funny? Only to realize this guy was in Happy Gilmore. Yeah. It's the same character from Happy it's Gilmore, which I completely forgot. Yeah. yeah. And did you notice? Oh, so the, it's the caddy. Okay. It's the caddy. Uh, and did you notice who the dad was? President Keeler from 24. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was going through the, the credits and I remember I breezed through the credits and I'm like, wait, one of these names looks familiar to me and then I can never find it again. Jeff so Pearson. yeah, Jeff Pearson. There yeah. we go. Yeah, And the woman's uh, familiar wow. too. She, Valerie Mahaffey. She's off things mm. as well. She was in the NBC daytime soap, The Doctors. Um, she was in Desperate Housewives. There you go. Jungle to Jungle. That might be it. Yeah, no, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jungle to Jungle. Seriously, I think that's where, I, like, I'm not even joking. That's the one I think. But I do also remember in Desperate Housewives, she was in Glee. She's in lots of things. She's one of these ones where she pops up. Yeah. Uh, and she pops up here. We just don't know who she is. It's Judging never explained Amy? in the movie. Of the, are these supposed to be his in-laws? I don't know. Like, this is so yeah, much <laughs> I'm looking on Wikipedia to answer the question where it says Aaron's father, Aaron's mother, like just explain something in the movie, like, uh, or just don't have this, but like the caddy thing. Now I I don't even remember a caddy. It's been years since I saw Happy Gilmore. And I used to watch that movie all the time. I'm like, okay, so this guy was in Happy Gilmore. They thought it'd be funny just to have the same character in here again. 
Uh, I would have rather had what Richard Keel in in here. I think he was <laughs> dead by then, guy. Colin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is he dead? I don't know. Well, I think he's <laughs> Did been we do dead it? for a long time. Oh, dear old Richard, unfortunately. <laughs> I think he would have been dead before 2011. Uh, some of the stuff they talk about on the Thanksgiving dinner, uh, Jill's talking about, oh, it's like that Jimmy Stewart movie where he's, he's with <laughs> the angel. Like it's a wonderful life. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. The one where, where he has the really wonderful life. And then you have the one guy say, Star Wars. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I like that. That's uh, funny. <laughs> you got the son who oh, uh, they say is adopted. but who just, the worst. He tapes stuff to himself. Like, for what reason? Like, th- th- there's a couple of semi-amusing gags but like we don't have the context for this we don't know why half the time he's just taping stuff to himself it is not funny jill says he's taping himself because he doesn't feel connected to them they talk about their twin powers um there there's a scene where the kid just punches jill that was one of the few parts that actually made me laugh out loud where he just suddenly punches jill in the face for no reason whatsoever it's a cheap gag but it works uh and then there katie holmes is trying to get them to finish each other's sentences uh, now, by the way, the thing about finishing each other's sentences. So before I had twins, I actually worked with multiple people who said they had twins themselves. And they were all saying like, oh, yeah, you know, here's some of the things you know about twins. And one of the things was about these twin psychic powers, which I know I've seen stories where people legitimately have like, I had this sense, which I mean, parents have that sense is, you know, like it, that's not necessarily saying they have psychic powers. But every twin I've actually met in real life says, no, there's not psychic powers. You just spend that much time with somebody. You can finish their sentences. And I have seen people who are twins in real life who will be talking to me who is not their twin who doesn't know them that well and they will be finishing my sentences or attempting to it's just something you get in the habit of because you're around a person all this time but it is or you're gonna say something oh, no, i just i just want to say one of my favorite storylines are you trying to finish my sentence i am i am <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that ben stiller tom cruise skit when they were he was his stunt man but yeah. um <laughs> it reminds me of um there was one of the weirdest and stupidest home and away storylines of all time they had these twins very attractive i loved them when i was a kid um but <laughs> So, and then they had this whole storyline where one of them went missing, right? So then in order to be able to find it, they were like, wait, I can see where she is. It's like, I mean, it's my twin connectivity. And they found her because of this twin sense, right? But then about a Mm. year later, the big plot twist with these two, they weren't actually twins. One of them was switched (laughs) at birth, so they weren't even related. (laughs) And I'm like, ah... Bit of a plot hole, guys. Uh, A year ago, uh, you had this twin sense, and now, not even related. (laughs) Sure, okay. That you do you home and away, yeah. But it's it, it's something that like I guess twins just being around each other as much as they do, and that's kind of what the point is in this movie. Like they had their own secret language and stuff. Uh, when when he tries to get oh he's basically giving her like a freebie. It's like I'm feeling very tired, so I want to go to the supermarket. Like it's not funny. Like it's it's uh, like it's it's just nonsense. You're laughing harder. I'm <laughs> like laughing I laugh. because it's it's you know how you said it's like Pluto Nash, right? Yeah. I think the difference between this and Pluto Nash in the love, I want to be funny, is that on the, and again, I love Pluto Nash. I will defend Pluto Nash, but again, I can see the hate of it. I think that was made with the intention of being funny, right? And Eddie Murphy's probably going, this is, this is funny. People will laugh at it. And I feel that is a movie that if you watch 20 years later, some people would form a different opinion of it. This is just lazy. And it's just yeah. like going for the cheap exactly. gags. like that, And that's why I'm laughing because it's like, I know what you're trying to do, Adam Sandler. And, Okay, it's kind of funny, but I'm not laughing because it's like, you know, like, ah, it's not like there isn't a reptile house at the end of uh, James Bond in Double <laughs> New York, whatever it is, it's hilarious. Listen to 007, it's a funny show. But like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, you're like, ah, that's funny, but I'm sad that I laughed at that. This is almost like a first draft of a screenplay or yeah. like you did... 
a, a, an improv session. All right, so this would be a funny scene. So I want to go to it, and they're like, a supermarket. I was like, all right, that's funny. Now let's work with that. Let's come up with something better. They're like, no, 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 that's it. We got 30 days to write, it's produce, lazy. edit, and release this film. And, yeah. that's, and I think that sums up this film because this, this to me isn't what Adam Sandler usually does. Even in his shit movies that are considered shit, they're generally at least you feel like there's some effort put into it and people care yeah. that they're on set. And, like, people look like they're having fun. And he talks about that in interviews. Adam Sandler's like... At the end of the day, I don't care what people think of my movies. People have fun. No one in this film looks like they're having fun. That's the issue. Yeah. That's why it feels lazy. Except for Al Pacino, everyone in this movie is bored and wants to get this movie over and done with. Even Adam Sandler. And that's saying yeah. something because that guy always has fun. Um, Jill basically runs away crying out into the middle of the woods. I guess they live by the woods because she spends a lot of time there. Uh, and when they go out there, Katie Holmes basically telling uh, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler boy, uh, Boy Sandler <laughs> apologized and he says, oh, you know, uh, hey, I want you to visit us. Maybe you could just Skype us or something. I don't know what that is. It sounds anti-Semitic. Uh, like there, there are so many times in this movie, they just rely on the punchline of, oh, that's anti-Semitic. And I'm like, maybe this is supposed to be a reoccurring gag, but it doesn't actually play like a reoccurring gag. They're just like, let's just say anti-Semitic. <laughs> It'll be funny. It's that right. Uh, it's that weird. Like, and I'm not one to usually call out the racism because I'm just like, you know, I'm a racist myself apparently, but like, it's not like it's, <laughs> And it's like the the signs the the things around the Indian kid are kind of very cringeworthy, and it's yeah. just it's just it's that it's that level of you can fall back on certain movies and go okay like yes in context that's racist, but like it was done in a way where you know what I mean. Whereas this it's just like you're playing this for a way where it, like it's just not funny and it is just racist. <laughs> like it's just why yeah, exactly. are you saying it? <laughs> Uh, we also find out after this that Al Pacino has had a breakdown on set. We see a video. This is Who's this filming is like, that. If this is well, exactly, because he's getting upset that somebody has their cell phone out and their phone's ringing when he's doing this play. And meanwhile, somebody's filming it on a cell phone. Um, so this is their in to try to get him. Jill says she's going to stay until Hanukkah or through Hanukkah now. Uh, there's one scene where she's trying to ride on the pony and the pony actually does the full splits. That was kind of like a fun little sight gag that made me laugh a little bit. Uh, she's on the prices, right? Because that was one thing she wanted to do is go on a game show. Now, this also was funny where That's she's spinning funny. the wheel and we get. Drew Carey cameo, which is cool. She spins the wheel and knocks her out. Now, there was one time I saw it in the press, and I will never forget it. It was basically like, I guess you consider it a blooper, but it, they played it like, oh, that is not funny. That is, this is serious. Where there was an old lady who was spinning the wheel, and this old lady actually like spun the wheel and then stumbled like, whoa, 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 start falling down like this <laughs> nine-year-old woman. And Bob Barker's like, whoa, like grabs her and catches her. Just kind of reminded me of that. Uh, and then Drew Carey's just like, ah, oh, let's just give her a bunch of prizes or whatever. <laughs> He's lost a lot of weight, old Drew. Like, I, I don't obviously oh, yeah. watch the Price is Right because we don't get it. Is he still hosting the Price is Right, by the way? Or I think he is, yeah. But, like, he like he looks good. I miss, I miss yeah. the Drew Carey show. Great show. Uh, Drew Carey show, who's lying? Like, this guy was the king of television. Like, who has a, a hit like the Drew Carey show and then has a hit like who's lying on at the same time mm. and then leaves both shows and has the becomes the new Bob Barker. I you know I never connected the dots till now, but that might be the reason Adam Sandler put in this movie. It's like, well, I can't have Bob Barker. Let me get <laughs> Drew Carey instead. Yeah. Uh, you can't get Richard Keel, so you get Dave Batista. I don't know. That'll be the next movie. <laughs> uh, Happy Gilmore too. Uh, then the other part that actually kind of made me laugh again, it's just cheap gags, but it's the one thing in the movie they put some effort into is the jet ski in the pool where she goes under and then all of a sudden shoots her like 30 feet in the air. Uh, and then uh, they're watching the movie and Jill's being obnoxious or whatever. And then you realize that Jack's doing the exact same thing. I don't know if this is supposed to be again, like some real arc for the character. So you guys are so much alike and they're actually doing the same thing. He's like, no, we're not. And then he's trying to laugh. Like, ha, 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 ha. 
Uh, like, this is supposed to be the point of the movie. Like, he comes to accept that he's really a twin. But, like, none of it plays out. At this point, I actually noted, has it really only been 23 minutes of this movie? Uh, Come on, <laughs> we're, we're in the painful. 30 minute mark here. I'm going to shut up. You're going to uh, speed through some of this. We got to. We got to get her a guy before New Year's. That's what they're going to do. So they set up for online dating. Uh, and then uh, there's the scene where they're doing the online dating profile. And she's talking. The kid is like, you're from India. India people are smart with computers. There's one of those racist jokes they talk about. So India's leading the pack in intelligence. There's Indians. And then there's the Chinese. And the Jews have slipped to third. And then there's the Germans in fourth. So everybody watch out. <laughs> like Again, it's one of these jokes like, let's just play an anti-Semitism joke. It'll be funny. But it's like, it's not really even a joke. Uh, and then he, Jack feels bad. So he, she gets no dates or whatever, no clicks. And then he sets her up with a profile. He's hot, crazy. And he's visualizing everything she's doing hot. And he's seeing the sweat stains on her bed, crazy personal masseuse. Cause she's trying to give him a massage knockout because she knocked herself on the price of white wheel. Uh, and then when she gets a whole bunch of, uh, responses, like a hundred responses, she says, I feel like Julia Roberts, in that movie, which movie pretty woman. Now the first time it was kind of funny. And here it's like, the first time it kind of was saved by them actually having the line of that. No, that movie where he ends up having such a wonderful life. And then they got the guy going star Wars or whatever. And this is literally like, so the movie with Julia Roberts, she played the hooker, pretty woman. No, the one where she got dressed up, pretty woman. Like now you're just repeating the same movie. It's not even a joke anymore. I'll break there before you get into the, the, the blind date with Norm Macdonald. I, I think like, I, I always laugh at that little movie. Cause you've also got the, um the housekeeper guy who again, incredibly oh, racist yeah. to Mexicans. We're going to have this, but like that whole bit where it's like, Oh, we sneak over the border. I kidding. I kidding. <laughs> like, again, it's funny the first time, but then it just gets repeated all the time. I don't really have anything to add. I mean, it's, it's good. I think the one thing I'll say though, like, again, you don't really feel anything. Like Eddie Murphy made a career out of dressing up as other people. And I've not seen Norbert. People say he went too far with Norbert, but like, I always get something endearing and funny about Eddie Murphy doing it. I mean, I love the Nutty Professor movies. Obviously he does it in Bowfinger. It's just kind of what he does. And it's, it's sort of when you've got a person who can do it in a way where it's just, it's just fun. And like, I've not really seen any, um, what's his name? The, the, the guy, uh, he had the idol named after him in Survivor. Uh, Tyler Perry. Oh, Tyler I've, Perry, I've not, yeah. I've never seen any of his movies. I know he's kind of renowned for doing this sort of like dressing up in drag and multiple things. And it's endearing. It's fun. And I guess this is just Adam Sandler's attempt to do it because he's he's dressed up as other people and that sort of stuff for other movies, but not to this extent. And I just don't think he has it. Like if this was an Eddie Murphy movie, I feel this would work. Like it just, yeah. it just Adam Sandler, I don't know if he can play himself off himself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we just saw The Flash and we talked about how good Ezra Miller did it with himself and stuff like that. Like there are certain actors where they've got chemistry enough with themselves where you believe it. I believe these are two different characters. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not done in a way where like it's it's good. And there mm-hmm. are definitely some moments with Jill where, yeah, you kind of feel sorry for her, but she's just so goddamn annoying. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> and then Jack is just an asshole. So mm-hmm. it's... And also Jack and Jill, really, that's and you don't play any Jack and Jill jokes in this film. You call your characters Jack and Jill, and there's no rep. There's no people going. Really, you guys are called Jack and Jill. I mean, did you go up a hill? <laughs> like, come on, where's the joke in that? Like, I mean, this is like literally a night at the Roxbury with the, that one joke that works the whole time in the movie. You guys are brothers. No. No. <laughs> yes. Like that's funny. They do it like thirty times in that movie. Whereas this, no reference. They're called Jack and Jill. Like, I mean, come on. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. Wait, it's 33 minutes in, Ben. Shut up. It's Jack and Jill. Uh, the blind date. Now, I kind of thought this movie would be like the Santa Claus where you see him going on like the blind dates and everything. It's all going to be a dating movie. 
But again, you have an idea. There's, there's a lot of things where like, this is what our movie's going to be about. This is what our movie's going to be about. And then it's not about that. Yeah. You set him up with a blind date. You get Norm MacDonald showing up the door. Norm MacDonald also phoning in. Like Norm MacDonald is kind of renowned for this is his style of comedy. Like he is yeah. not going to put effort in. It's funny because he doesn't put effort. This is the most lazy I've ever seen Norm MacDonald. Like he's not even trying to not he try. He wasn't here. acting when he went to the toilet and heat. He was like, get me out of Jack and Jill. <laughs> exactly. Um, when he shows up at the door and he sees Jack and is are you're not the hot personal crazy personal masseuse because if you are I'm not paying for dinner. Uh, you have the dinner date between them and she's just again like you'd be doing so many funnier things like the way the Santa Claus two. This I know you're not as big of a fan of Santa Claus two as I am, but like that scene which is not even that great of a scene, the Molly Shannon one mm. where she's going crazy and he's like, oh yeah, you kind of scared me. Like you're playing the world's worst date. This is just Jill talking. And he gets up to leave. Like you could have really had some great comedy by going outrageous here and have her do something really obnoxious or have combine this with the chimichanga scene. Cause even the chimichanga scene is lazy because like you could have her just passing gas at the picnic and instead you just have it afterwards. And then it's supposed to be funny. Uh, but Norm Macdonald just excused himself to the bathroom. Uh, I did like one, one of the few semi amusing lines and it's not even laugh out loud funny. It was when a waiter comes and he's clearly been gone for a while. I said, uh, would you like me to pack this up to go? Oh no, I think he's just waiting for a salad to cool off. That was kind of, uh, and then she goes to try to find the bathroom. She opens the stall. He's not there. Uh, he said, oh, I think he's just gone out to get some air or whatever. Uh, and, and this is something that would have, I personally feel like this would have been funnier if you just saw that he was gone. Mm. You immediately cut yeah. to it. He's gone. But instead you have this extra joke where he's dangling from the light, which is like, it's not funny. You're just adding on to an already not funny joke. Um, Jack is now supposed to make her feel better. So he takes her to the Lakers game. There you get introduced to Johnny Depp. Um funny before thing. he's before he's in court. This is Johnny Depp, and Al Pacino shows up in incognito in costume, but everybody knows who it is. Uh and uh when they have the the celebrity cam thing on the, the Jumbotron and it's zoomed in, you're like, oh, it's gonna be pick out Johnny Depp. Instead, it picks out Al Pacino underneath his beard and everything, <laughs> and he's just looking awkward. Uh Adam Sandler's like, great, I can get introduced to Al Pacino. So he goes there with Jill, he says, I was at the premiere of Cats and Dogs 3. Now, was Al Pacino in Cats and Dogs 3? It wasn't a Cats and Dogs 3. I think it was only Cats and Dogs 2, wasn't there? The Roger the, Moore the, one. The Revenge of uh, Kitty Galore or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't uh, think that was a 3. I'm, I'm, yeah, so it's just another not funny joke. Uh, yeah, you're right. There was no Cats and Dogs 3. But it's just another not funny that. joke. Like, um. <laughs> could you, you could have made it like Garfield 2 or something like that. Like a movie that exists that people are like, oh, yeah, I remember how bad that movie is. Now you're just mentioning a movie that doesn't even exist. Even that's lazy. Uh, and because he says they're from the Bronx, all of a sudden Pacino takes a shine to Jill and she's barely interested in him. Is, is Ryan Seacrest here? And I love that Al Pacino's like, who? Like, who's right? He doesn't know who Ryan Seacrest is. And then this is where she looks at John Depp. Were you in Duran Duran? He's just like, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> Al Pacino's still, Al Pacino's still trying to pick her up. And she's like, is that John Stamos? She gets excited and runs away. Uh, they end up having the hot dog personally delivered from Mr. Pacino. And he got basically written in ketchup and mustard on it. Call me with his phone number on there. Uh, now this again, you don't go into now. I'm thinking this movie is going to be about how do we land Al Pacino, and it kind of is. But like, you leave so much stuff out. Where's the scene where Adam Sandler calls up this number and he says, "I didn't leave it for you. Put your sister on the phone." And you can make this like a whole thing of have him posing as Jill for half of this movie. Make it like a Mrs. Doubtfire. I was thinking of that. Yeah. like that's the funny part. Yeah, like you've you've missed the opportunity to do anything funny here. Um, you uh, now the movie's half. It's not even half over. I've written that in my notes. Uh, you have the uh, the birthday party here. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be like the last day that she's here because they're supposed to be going on the cruise. 
And uh, here we get all the people from all the commercials Adam Sandler's directed. By the way, he's a commercial director. I think they kind of established that in this movie. So you got Jared, the subway guy, and Jill's just oh. talking about she liked him better when he was fat. Oh. Um, and he's there with a couple of blonde women, uh, hookers, as she says, or whatever. Too, too old for him and wrong gender. So Yeah, that's right. <laughs> was he, was he, did he uh, fiddle boys or girls? It doesn't matter. He's a kitty fiddler. Who cares? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't think we need to get into it. Well, if you fiddle girls, it's okay. He's like, what am I saying? <laughs> Uh, then we get the brief camera by the ShamWow guy. This, I feel like, wasn't sold well at all. Like, Because there's a bunch of people in that scene, and the ShamWow guy is just sort of in the background, and then he has like one line, like, make him the center point of the scene. Identify him. Uh, the, the one good part that I liked here, and this might be the, the hardest I actually laughed, or the closest I came to laughing hard in this entire movie, is uh, where you have her talking to the other guy, and she says, oh, you, you look so rat-faced or whatever, and... He's basically saying he's an atheist and it's like, oh, you look so rat faced or whatever. And then John McEnroe's like, you say you don't believe in God. <laughs> John McEnroe saves this movie like Al Pacino. Like, I want more John McEnroe. <laughs> he's, he's, another, he's in about 50 Adam Sandler films as well. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler's a lover of sports. You know, he's always got the sports people in there. Uh, so does Jim Carrey, Dan Marino, right? That's Sha- how it started. Sha- you missed the, the, the Shaq cameo Shaq, was yeah. funny, but the different thing is why that doesn't hold up because Shaq sells his soul now. Shaq's on freaking gambling ads in Australia. <laughs> like, I mean, Shaq does every. I reckon we could afford Shaq to get him on this show to do an ad. That's He sells his soul to everyone. Well, I'll quickly talk about Al Pacino. Like, I have to imagine that they either said to Al Pacino, would you like to be in an Adam Sandler movie? He said, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> like, like, I don't think that's the way it happened. Probably more likely, like, let's write this role and we'll write it for whatever celebrities we think we could get and they'll just play themselves. There's a, um, a famous movie that was never made with Dana Carvey um, and Kevin Nealon. The, uh, it, it was it was before my time, like the the sketch they did, but where they were basically in the short sitting a parody, the, the I want to pump you up guys, Hans and Franz. Mm. Uh, and they were supposed to be like related to Schwarzenegger in that sketch. Now they did a, a script for a movie that never got produced that Conan O'Brien actually helped write. And on Conan O'Brien's podcast, they did like a, a reading over four weeks, uh, like an actual table reading with all Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey and all these guys reading the script. And it was actually really funny, but they talked about how Arnold Schwarzenegger was the third biggest star of that movie. Like he was in that movie playing himself and they were this close to getting Schwarzenegger. They talked about the meetings with him and everything. Uh, sometimes I would imagine it'd be fun for celebrities to play themselves, but like, You've got opportunity in a lot of this movie. I just would love to know how you actually, it's one thing to say, we're going to get a cameo from, you know, Shaq, but then to say Al Pacino is going to be in this movie. Like, I, how does that happen? Well, I think it's just it's Adam Sandler's likability. Because, I mean, you like the one thing that he's forgotten about this movie, it's got some massive cameos in it, which is good for Adam mm. Sandler. But, I mean, he also did Anger Management and got Jack Nicholson. So, I mean, and that yeah. was a pretty well-received movie. So, I think kind of if Adam Sandler can get Jack Nicholson, he's going to be able to get Al Pacino, right? Uh, Pacino is, shows up at the party basically to pick up Jill takes her back to his house. He, he basically abducts her. He, he plays a yeah, rapist rapey. here. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the, I don't even remember where they were saying they were supposed to be going. Oh, a bakery. Oh, this isn't a bakery. Oh, isn't it? It's my house. Uh, and then he walks in there and he's got a personal chef who will make her any cake she wants. Uh, he's put on the soundtrack to Man for La Mancha, which is a role he was offered, the Broadway musical. Uh, they try to play stickball here. She takes out his Oscar playing stickball. <laughs> and this was line. kind of a fun... This was a funny line. He's like, oh, I'm sure you got more of those. Surprisingly, no, I don't. You think I would, but I don't like that. That was probably the funniest line in the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, She ends up leaving him. She ends up sleeping in the woods. This is where the gardener housekeeper guy turns up. And uh, he invites her to his family picnic uh, where he's talking about, oh, it's a great like Mexican uh, family picnic. You know, we go there to eat, steal white people's wallets. And then she's like, what? 
He goes, no, 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 I'm just kidding. We don't really eat. And it's like, oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. That was one of the lines he had in the movie that was kind of funny. Uh, I will say this guy does put some effort into I it. But again, guy. like the role, the role is like, a bit it's so a little bit racist, but it's also just so repetitive. You know, uh, I do think this guy, like, I didn't even realize he plays the grandma at the picnic. Oh, does he? I guy. love that grandma. That yeah. grandma is my favorite character Crazy in this movie. <laughs> She's eating the chili. But that's this. Yeah, that's the same guy. Just keep eating the chilies and see Jill enjoying herself. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. The homeless guy's eating, trying to eat poopsie on a sub bun. Um, I guess that would have been funny. Uh, and uh, Pacino uh, breaks into Adam Sandler's house. How did you get over the fence? <laughs> uh, he shows her the bed, and Al Pacino's like, he's like, what is that? It's like, oh, that's you don't want to be on that. And he starts lying down and, like, sniffing her sweat stain. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So I, here's another problem is Al Pacino identifies here. He already knows what, if you want me to do that Don Cacino ad. But again, we never had the scene where Adam Sandler called him and asked him to do this. Yeah, true. So like you have actually cut the entire plot out of your movie and then you're now playing catch up. Uh, and then there's also another mention here where Jill's upset because she said when she was out sleeping in the woods and the gardener picked her up, she was saying, oh, I came home and Jack was really mad at me because I walked out in Al Pacino. But again, that's not in the movie. <laughs> True. Give us the plot in the movie. You can yeah. lose two jokes. Um, Jill, they need Jill to stay longer now so we can get Al Pacino for the Dunkachinos ad. And uh, uh, there's the scene here with diarrhea. This is the dumb and dumber scene, uh, which is not nearly as effective just as she craps out all the chimichangas and um, it just goes on and on. And the fart noise. Give us a fart noise, Ben. We could make people laugh a bit uh, more this movie. Yep, sure. <laughs> Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's already funnier than what we got in the movie. <laughs> our, our segment on the wet one was so much funnier than that. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for fart jokes. I, I hate these people. Like, oh, that's lowbrow humor. It's like, no, fart jokes are funny. This is maybe the first time I've watched a movie with fart jokes. And I'm kind of like, eh, is this I know. funny? <laughs> I didn't laugh. It, it didn't even tickle my my, my funny bone or anything. Uh, he did, Adam Sandler did have one funny line here where he said, like, what is Evil Knievel doing wheelies in there? <laughs> there's there's one great you don't you've never watched Parks and Recreation, but there's one great Parks and Recreation joke which I always repeat anytime somebody farts if it really stinks. Uh, so there's a character who farts and he keeps farting, and then one of the characters, says, "What did you eat farts for breakfast?" Is <laughs> that one? But like I will say, uh, th this scene where he's opening the window and like gasping, I did this uh, not to embarrass Jamie too much, but even she'll admit. Pregnant, I've, we mentioned on the show, mm. she, I think she mentioned it when she was pregnant on the show, pregnancy farts are the worst. Like, it is a whole next level bad fart if a woman is pregnant. And uh, there was one time where she was <laughs> in the car and she's laughing and I actually have the window open with my head out of it like a dog <laughs> gasping for air. But that, I kind of liked him like waving it open and lighting the candle. Uh, so again, the, the 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 second half of the fart scene was better than hearing the farts. But I'll stop before we go on the cruise here. Uh, the the uh, real plot of the film. I really don't think you need to because we've only got fifteen <laughs> minutes left, and I don't know if I've got anything right. to add. I mean, uh, yeah, I like you summed everything up. I've interjected with a few things. I mean, the plot holes around um, Al Pacino. How does he know this party? Like, we literally get one scene yeah. of him going like, "Hey, baby, call me." Gets very rapey with Jill, and then all. Oh no, that's after he shows up at this party. Yeah, and again, like. This is freaking Academy Award winner Al Pacino. And, like, I guess that's kind of the joke. Like, it's L.A., like, you know, oh, cool, there's a celebrity, whoop-de-doo. Like, you don't need them to be like, oh, my God, it's Al Pacino every five minutes. But he just shows up at this party and just Jared, the subway guy. Oh, they did not know what was going to happen with him, did they? Uh, and we're going to get a Bruce Jenner joke. Are we even allowed to say the words Bruce Jenner anymore? I don't know. Um, and the Shamwell guy. The, I, I think I've told the story before when I did the Hollywood Homes tour when I first went to L.A., 
they're like, oh, this giant mansion is like Simon Cowell's house, Sylvester Stallone. And then this other giant mansion next door. Like, this is a guy who invented the Snuggie. And then I think literally yeah. next door to the guy who invented the Snuggie is the guy who invented the Shamwow. So he's got like as big a house in the Hollywood Hills as a freaking Sylvester Stallone and all this sort of stuff. It's amazing. But um, yeah, Jared from Subway. Are we even allowed to yeah. say him anymore? Uh, him and Bruce, well, we're allowed to say Bruce Jenner because Bruce Jenner didn't kill anybody. Well, <laughs> well, neither did Jared. He just touched him. And I just want to say, Jared, you got caught, mate. Amateur. <laughs> See, already, we have gotten more irreverent <laughs> and somehow funnier, even though it's wrong. I was going to say, that joke, funnier than all of Jack and Jill. There You're go. welcome. <laughs> uh. Now we get the final act, the cruise ship. And this is really what the movie should have been. Uh, first of all, we get a great song by the Go-Go's here. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you'd notice that. Vacation. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. I listened to that recently. Uh, came on like some playlist of mine. I'm like, this song's really good. I'm going to listen to it, it again. Is. <laughs> you should listen more of the Go-Go's. Great. Did you know that Belinda Carlisle was the singer really? of the Go-Go's? <laughs> I think she's coming to Australia later this year. Did I not mention that? Oh, maybe, maybe lucky. I yeah. You got to go. What if I get an interview with a con? What would you do? Uh, I would die. I would literally die. <laughs> oh, that's how I kill him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're on the cruise here. Uh, there's a couple of, like, visual gags here. Poopsie drinking out of the chocolate fountain, which, again, slightly funny. Uh, the lobster take to the back of the kid. <laughs> it's like, what is this whole thing with him taping things? Uh, Al Pacino, uh, basically, or Al, uh, Adam Sandler says he'll call Al Pacino at 530 uh, and then it ends up, now this really got confusing because Adam Sandler calls him and Al Pacino's in the middle of performing a Shakespeare play uh, or whatever he's doing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> She's performing no here twice in November, by the way, if you want to come see Belinda Carlisle's Decades Tour, celebrating oh, 35 years of her solo career. She's got a new EP out, which is like the first original music she's released in like over a decade. It's like five songs. There's like five perfect songs. You got to give it a listen. It's great. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, Al Pacino performing on Broadway, or not Broadway, I guess it's supposed to be Los Angeles Theater, doing the Shakespeare thing, and the phone starts ringing. But of course, it's his phone, and this is where Adam's like, I said I'd call you at 5.30. No, it's 9.30. My, five, wait, he says 5.30. It's 9.30 my time. This is like, oh, time change. But then Adam Sandler says they're in Europe. So like, where is the difference between 5.30 to 9.30 from Los Angeles to Europe? I don't understand this. Um, so there's a mention here about Titanic uh, in the background. This is the third one. These jokes. Oh, the one with the iceberg? No, no, the other one. Uh, and he basically says, fine, if you get Jill to meet with me, I will be there at your cruise ship. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this, is, this is great. With the, the, uh, the One of the other parts of the movie that actually really made me laugh. This might be one of the best parts of uh, uh, the entire movie. And maybe Al Pacino's funniest line in the movie where the, the what do you call the, the, the fill-in person? The uh, understudy. The understudy. The understudy. Would you like me to take over, Mr. Pacino's? No, nobody here wants to see you, but thanks anyway. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's the other part where the people, are like, we want to see the play here. It's like, come on, we got Bruce Jenner playing whatever. This isn't even a real play. <laughs> and you actually get Bruce Jenner in the background dressed in this Shakespeare garb, whatever. Uh, Adam Sandler now has to pull off the Mrs. Doubtfire and pretend he's Jill because Jill doesn't want to see Al Pacino because, oh, you didn't, you didn't bring Al Pacino here, did you? Uh, and he's going through her closet and everything has sweat stains. I love sweat stains, sweat stains. I don't even want to know what that is. Uh, he goes in a stall to get changed. He shaves his chest. I wonder even in, a, in the most fancy cruise ship in the world, what cruise ship has a sink inside of the toilet stall <laughs> when there's a sink right outside the toilet stall because he's shaving, he's got a sink in there. And then he comes out and the bathroom attendant sees him and he's all of a sudden a woman. And what does he do? He just comes up and adjusts his boobs. You knew exactly where they're doing with this joke, uh, especially when it comes up later on. Uh, Adam Sandler's now dressed as Jill waiting outside. A helicopter comes to land. The ladder hits him in the head. 
Um, when Al Pacino is having dinner now with Jack posing as Jill, he says something different about you, somehow more feminine and less muscular. Uh, and here's where he adds the tickle thing. Do you want to be tickled? Tickled? Then he starts tickling. Now, Adam Sandler's reaction, this is me. If I get tickled, like it becomes fight or flight and I'll be swinging fists, arms, everything. Uh, somebody's probably going to lose an eye if they try to tickle me. Uh, and uh, the, the date goes on and Jill, uh, or I guess at the same time, the real Jill is lifting weights and talking about, oh, he only brought me out here because of Al Pacino. And this is where Katie Holmes says, no, he brought you here because... You know, he he felt like he didn't want you to have a, a holiday season alone since your mother died. Now, again, we've, I don't think there's been any point in this movie they said the mom just died. Yeah. And there's no scene at all where Jack actually says that to Katie Holmes. Yeah. But yet he apparently did say that. Uh, the other part of the date here where they're dancing to the monkeys, um, Al Pacino uh, insults Jack uh, here, or actually insults Jack thinking it's Jill. Uh, you get Jill with trying to call Jack and then he's basically doing the voice over the phone. Are you pretending or doing my voice or whatever? Uh, the attendant comes back out. Now he's adjusting the real Jill's boobs. So she punches him through a wall. None of this is really funny. Um, Al Pacino continues insulting Jack, uh, but then it actually, oh, this is where Jack grows a heart because he realizes, no, he's right. I am I am self-deluded. <laughs> uh, and um, the... Man of La Mancha thing comes on. He starts breaking into the song. He says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the play. Great. So now Al Pacino has more of a story arc than anybody else in this movie. Uh, he he leaves because he feels bad. Now he wants to go actually care about his sister. And Al Pacino says, line, oh, would you stay if I said I do the commercial? And he just keeps running. Um, I, I, I don't know when he gets onto the cruise ship and Katie Holmes is like, what are you wearing? And it's like, where's Jill? Oh, well, she left. She left the cruise ship? Did she swim? <laughs> <laughs> Where is she going? <laughs> she had a life raft out there? Uh, Jill's now spending New Year's Eve in some dive in the Bronx. And you get David Spade and dragged. Is the only time Rob Schneider refused to do a movie <laughs> with Adam yeah, Sandler? Where is Rob Schneider in this movie? Where is you can he had do the comments. He had the common sense not to do Jack and Jill. That's where he is. But name. David Spade did. Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. <laughs> But David Spade, no shame, here in drag. Uh, and oh, who really cares? <laughs> Adam Sandler, boy Adam Sandler Eight comes minutes, up. come on. <laughs> he apologizes and it's a happy ending. Uh, you get Al Pacino showing up and he's now dressed as Don Quixote and he's trying to attack a ceiling fan. And this was a good line. You call a foul monster, a whirling five-armed beast. Um, the gardener is at Jill's house and he's proposing marriage to her. And they all live happily ever after. And then we have the Duncachino ad, oh. the best part of this movie, where Al Pacino breaks into song and dance. Duncachino, Duncachino, but rap. Duncachino. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. And then we get even more of this montage of the twin stuff at the end, uh, which, oh, by the way, Al Pacino sees the commercial and says, burn this. That's which, funny. <laughs> that, that was when he realized he was actually in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I've seen and we get more play of this that. Twins. I've seen them going like an Al Pacino's actual reaction after seeing Jack and Jill. <laughs> There's a good review at the end of this movie as well. Uh, more of the twin stuff at the end, which none of it actually made me laugh. There we go, Jack and Jill over. We got minutes to go. Yeah, like literally the one thing that I remembered about this film more than a decade later is the Dunkachino bit. And that bit was stuck in my head like when I saw this. And I just, I always find that funny. And then I've seen reviews of it go like, oh my God, this is the worst, lowest point of Al Pacino's career. And it probably is. But like you said before that, you know, he puts his all into it. I, the, the elaborate nature of this Dunkachino ad, they've taught, they've taught him choreography for this. Like, you know, like they've gotten Dunkin... Like, I think it's hilarious. Dunkachino. You're also a muted boomer. Um, I don't know why they, they... Like, this didn't become more of a meme. I know this movie's horrible, but, like, 
Al Pacino mm. doing Dunkachino. Why why did the Dunkin' Donuts actually get on board with that? Um, yeah, that would have been good cross promotion. I reckon they probably wanted to, but then they saw the reviews. I'm like, no, no, we did not have our name associated with this movie. Um, I have nothing to add. You summed it up. There's no, there's nothing to comment about right. this. We've got six minutes. Come on. Uh, so this movie has is the fourth lowest rate. I went through Adam Sandler's entire filmography on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the fourth lowest ranked Adam Sandler movie of all of his like big theatrical films. It is the lowest. Uh, so three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, some of the um, reviews here. Uh, 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 where can I find it? Although it features an inexplicably committed performance from Al Pacino, Jack and Jill is impossible to recommend on any level whatsoever. Uh, there was one in here where it actually talked about the. Um, uh, the final line, um, uh, well, somebody basically said the final line about Burn It must have been Al Pacino's reaction when he saw the movie, as you mentioned. Uh, anyways, all critics hate this movie. We're not going to see it. I'm not going to bother for a while. We'll do one 10-star review here for IMDb because this is brilliant. 10 stars from Robin Vallejo, uh, who wrote on August 30th, 2018, 10 stars, Sandler's masterpiece, and simply says, ranks up there with Godfather and the Dark Knight, a very intense crime drama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I remember this movie like making money. I mean, arguably this would be like the last Adam Sandler movie that actually made like really good box office because most of the movies went to Netflix after this. And I think Grown Ups 2 kind of bombed. But I mean, this movie made a lot of money. It did. Um, it was quite not... successful for what it was. Yeah, I mean, not at the level of like, you know, uh, something like Anger Management or even The Longest Yard. But I mean, this movie opens with $25 million. Now here's a shocker. It actually opened number two at the box office behind Henry Cavill's Immortals. Uh, which was a movie he made pre, or I think it came out, uh, yeah, I think he signed on for Superman, but hadn't actually done it yet. Uh, there's a forgotten movie. Henry Cavill is what Greek uh, mythology movie, The Immortals. $25 million. Also, Puss in Boots, one, was in third place. Tower Heist, that's a good Ben Stiller movie. Tower Heist, if you've ever seen it. Mm. Uh, and Jay Edgar, uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, Clint Eastwood movie, was in fifth place. Uh, but this movie, uh, overall box office, it grossed $159 million, $149 million worldwide, which is crazy. Um, that's $75 million even in North America. That's not bad. I mean, it's not at the highest level, but it's still a lot of money. Um, it has no business making that much money. And maybe there's a reason why he said, I'm going to go to Netflix after this. Um, just quickly on the plot keywords, um, not amazing ones. There's a lot of basketball ones. Basketball, basketball ball, basketball court, basketball game, basketball hoop. But I'm going to go with one here. I'm going to go that we do Honda Civic Sedan Month. Uh, featuring Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, Friends with Benefits, that's not the Natalie Portman one, sadly, and Spider-Man 2. So uh, apparently the Honda Civic fans have gone, there are Honda Civics in Spider-Man trilogy. Let's let's put it on there. Uh, I'm, def- I'm definitely been in this movie. It's just not good. Now, going through all of our bad movies we've ever done, like I, I, I think that, the love guru is somehow something that, that like it, it stresses me out more watching that movie, <laughs> but there were some genuinely funny parts of that in an overall bad movie. This is just bad. There's nothing that really makes one of me laugh. And even though adventures of Pluto Nash is sort of like famous for just be funny, like adventures of Pluto Nash is still a not bad movie. If it weren't going to be a comedy, there's, there's nothing that works about this movie. It's not emoji movie. Bad. It's definitely not movie 43 movie. 43 is maybe the best bad comedy we've ever done on here. Uh, this one's just, as you said, lazy. And the most uh, poignant thing I thought of when I was watching this is that when this movie's ending, I could picture seeing this in a theater and I can actually picture the silence at all the jokes. Like there is 
it's almost like the silence of this movie is incorporated into the sound design for how un- unfunny it is. Like, it's just, it's actually remarkable <laughs> how intentionally bad this movie might be. We didn't mention our history. I saw this at the movies. I remember seeing this with what? Louise. Yeah, I saw this with Louise. I remember saying that's why, like, I think, like, I left it. I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. Um, but, like, it, yeah, I saw this pretty, like, I don't know if it was opening day, but, like, it was pretty much um, near the beginning of it. Yeah, I I mean, I like the Love Guru. I bought that. I only rented Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is weird. I I that I in my mind that's ahead of the Love Guru. But no, this is yeah, this isn't emoji movie levels of bad or some of the other ones we've done bad, but like it's still a terrible movie. So and this is the only one of this month that I've seen. So I have no reference wow. point to it. Again, I've seen parts of Showgirls, the good parts. Uh, but I've never seen How the Dark or Freddy Got Fingered, so I have no reference point to knowing this could be the best one we see. I don't know. At least I get to see boobs a lot in one of these films. So, are we doing that next? Are we? What, what order are we doing? Well, what, what are we doing next? Were you? What you? I'm. I'm hosting Showgirls, and I think are you wanting to? And host? then Howard the Duck, or are you? Yeah, what, what was I think the I one you want You want Howard the Duck? Because okay. Howard the Duck is the only one that I've actually seen of this month. Okay, so well, next week we're either doing Freddy Got Fingered or Showgirls. You got to choose which one you'd rather do first. Get the boobs over Let's and done get with. Showgirls. Let's go boobies, to Showgirls. Boobies, boobies, boobies. <laughs> Robert Darby. Break up the break up the comedy here. <laughs> Robert Darby. So uh, you know, we get to watch a man who we've interviewed. So And he defends uh, Showgirls. So he's oh, also a Trump good supporter. For him. So. <laughs> so next week we're gonna be talking uh, all things Donald Trump and all things that make Donald Trump great. Twenty five uh, seconds. Which is boobs and hookers. Um otherwise listen to whatever episodes we got out there. Uh, this movie sucks. Don't bother watching it. <laughs> Just listen to us. It was already funnier uh, than anything you could have actually watched in this movie. And my name is Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want my creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, hoo-ha, latte light. The whole trial is out of sight. And my name is Ben, and I can smell horny across an ocean. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>